Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. And yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Today, we have a really incredible show. Actually, it's funny because today, we almost have like two shows. Um, We have, on the one hand, the very first out baseball player in any pro baseball leagues, and his name is Brian Ruby. And on the other hand, we have this fantastic up-and-coming country-western singer, songwriter. He's written a bunch of songs for a bunch of people. He has won season seven of the Talent Search Competition, Nashville Rising Song. He's the subject of an upcoming documentary. Um, Oh, yeah, and his name also is Brian Ruby because he and the baseball player are one and the same person. So um, he's two, two, two activists in one. Uh, We can't wait to talk to him about um, everything he's doing. It's it's ironic because the we have a lot of activists we talk to uh, talk to who are busting through barriers in our society, and Brian has picked two that are traditionally, and I'm going to call it straight only environments um, where LGBTQ people have not felt safe, Um, and he's trailblazing in both of them. So um, exciting stuff, um, and uh, and plus, top that all off, he is super talented. Um, he is also, uh, and I don't mean this in a rude way, but gorgeous to look at with long flowing dark locks and um, sultry brown eyes. Um, but he is also launching his first single today, and we have it, and we will be playing it. And it is called Left Field, which is kind of a neat crossover between the baseball stuff and the country songwriter stuff. So, um, yeah, so we have a great show lined up for you. Um, Before we bring on Brian, I do want to welcome to the show the um, editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine and co-host of the show with um, an update on what is happening. Hey, Brody, what's going on? Hey, Rob. And... Good day, good morning, good night, or good evening to all of our listeners around the globe. Thank you so much for subscribing to our podcast. Thank you for listening, and we really appreciate you. So it is Pride. So the first thing that I want to do is wish everyone happy Pride. Um, And now the not-so-fun part. So let's go to eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's go to Texas first. Republican Texas Representative Brian Slayton is working on a new law that would prevent children from seeing drag shows. According to Representative Slayton, drag shows are too sexually explicit for them. And the whole reason this got started was a week ago, I wrote a story about uh, an annual event in Dallas in the uh, city's Oakland neighborhood, which is more or less the neighborhood for the city of Dallas, Texas. 
And it was the annual Drag the Kids to Pride drag show, which kicks off Pride Month in Dallas. Um, And it was held at um, a bar called Mr. Mister, which is an LGBTQ uh, gay bar, LGBTQ safe space, uh, and a place where uh, where the local community gathers. Well, also gathering outside of it were a bunch of QAnon adherents, MAGA types, et cetera, et cetera, running around with big, huge signs that read, stop grooming the kids. And that was one of the cleaner signs. Um, Long story short, uh, the Dallas Voice and WFAA uh, 8, uh, which is a local affiliate uh, of ABC News in Dallas-Fort Worth, reported on it. You know, protesters out there, you know, with signs like confuse a child, abuse a child, stopping groomers, stop exploiting our kids. They tried to get into the bar. They tried to interrupt uh, the actual event itself. Uh, The Dallas police were able to push them to um, the other side of the street. Uh, And then after it was all done and over with, um, this particular Texas lawmaker decided, well, You know, obviously, we need to protect the children. Uh, Now, mind you, critics, however, are pointing out the obvious here, and that is um, not even a week before that event in Uvalde, Texas, 19 children were killed and two adults were killed by a gunman with automatic rifles or ARs, semi-autos, I should say. And so the critique point here is, Republican legislators and lawmakers would rather protect the guns than protect the kiddies. And, of course, that's kind of set off the fight in Texas. But if you thought that bit of insanity was bad enough, wait, there's more. So now let's skip across the Florida. So there was another drag show, and the governor of the state of Florida yesterday during a press conference made some serious noise about how it was inappropriate, legislation needed to be passed, Uh, his radicalized, far-right, QAnon-adherent press secretary, who's mixed it up with our community before, lost her mind over it. But wait, it gets better. Today, and this is being reported by West Palm Beach's ABC News affiliate, State Representative Anthony Sabatini, another Republican, made the announcement that because of the pride-themed drag event in West Palm over the weekend, he's introducing a bill today that would make taking kids to drag shows a felony, and if you were convicted, would terminate the parental rights of the adults involved. Okay? Now, DeSantis in his press conference yesterday, okay, declared that he supported criminalizing you know, taking kids to drag shows, all right? Um, You know, this is one of these things, Rob, where you have to look at this and go, yeah, this can't be possibly happening. And the truth of the matter is... Brody, (laughs) I I have to tell you, as as the gay dad of of what were two little boys, they're both now 19, my head is like exploding over this nonsense. I mean, this is theater of the absurd. This is so bizarrely, incredibly stupid. Both Florida and Texas have been the sites of these, these gunmen coming into safe spaces, including schools, and killing children. And there has not been one single piece of legislation in either of those states 
to do anything about that, and they're going after drag queens. This is mm-hmm. so bizarre and ridiculous. The, the idea that, that parents can be slapped with a felony and lose their children over something like that when we have systems where, and, and I'm not bagging on this because I do think parents have, have the need for a second chance, but parents can ingest heroin and go into rehab and, and maintain their, their parental rights. This is in freaking sane what they are trying to do. It is, you know, we are really on the verge of, of fascism in this country with that kind of mindset. This is so oppressive and so insanely ridiculous. And I have two words for those Florida and Texas legislatures. Mrs. Doubtfire. Are we going to just go <laughs> burn all the copies of Mrs. Doubtfire? Because, oh, God forbid, we're, we're you know, we're, you know, mind blind, brainwashing children with, with Robin Williams dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, my God. Oh, it's just, I can't. Anyway, and any other news? Well, yeah, I, it, let's move away from uh, the craziness for a minute. Um, we did have a conversation. President Biden uh, last night uh, is actually in Los Angeles. The uh, ninth annual Summit of the Americas is going on in the city. Uh, but Biden took time off last night to stop in and talk with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, Kimmel and the president discussed the 27 school shootings uh, so far this year alone. And then Jimmy asked the president, you know, why he believes that nothing had been done about the violence. Um, and then the interesting thing was is that uh, in the course of the conversation back and forth, um, and I'm quoting, can't you issue an executive order? This is Kimmel to the president. Um, and then he followed that up with Trump passed out executive orders, meaning like Halloween candy. And the president responded, I have issued executive orders within the power of the presidency to be able to deal with everything having to do with guns, gun ownership, and whether or not you have to have a waiting period. All those things are in my power, the president said. He continued, I don't want to emulate Trump's abuse of the Constitution and constitutional authority. I mean, that's, I mean that sincerely because I often get asked, look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Um, you know, the president's got a good point, but, you know, it's gotten to the point where the balkanization process really between the two political parties has gotten to the point where we're looking at this midterms and, and most of us, at least in the press, are shaking our heads because it's just how ugly is it going to get? You know, some of these crazies like Sabatini and that other idiot in Texas and some of the other ones running for office, you know, we've got a lot of anti-LGBT fervor out there. You know, they're making the transgender uh, community in particular their whipping child. Um, and as you know, we've had a lot of trans activists and trans folks on the show, and they've kind of described for us in pretty grim detail just how rough it can get for them. Um, gun control, immigration, you know, rights for the LGBTQ community, all of this is basically at risk. And I, I really think that what you're going to see going into the fall is a balkanization, whereas the red states predictably 
will go that direction and the blue states won't. If the Supreme Court does do what we think is going to happen and overturn Roe v. Wade, you're going to see a further balkanization. We were discussing that in an editorial call this morning because you have states, Rob, that are going to immediately outlaw abortion the minute that thing gets handed down. But some of the laws go further, and those laws would criminalize women going to other states to get abortions. So let's say that you're a resident of Oklahoma, and you go to get an abortion here in Los Angeles. You could go back to Oklahoma and be arrested coming off the plane and charged with a felony and felony murder. So, and even the president mentioned that last night in his appearance on Kimmel. I mean, this is kind of a concern. Uh, so we're we're at that point, um, and well, Rudy, I, I think I would, you need I to would, be very careful. I, yes, what I would do is I would challenge the media, um, rather than putting out a lot of stories about, you know, doom doom and gloom about the midterm and how you know the Republicans, you know, sort of. There's a lot of stories that are almost assumptive that the Republicans are going to take the House and the Republicans are going to do this and the Republicans will do that. I would charge the media to start covering the candidates and what those candidates would mean should they get elected, because that is where I think people get a pass. And I think the media is the ones who can actually charge up the people to show up to vote. Um, and, you know, the, the populace has shown, as they did with Biden, that there is a supermajority out there that I probably tend to sit on their hands during a lot of elections, but you charge them up, they will show up. And that's what we need. We need people to take this all that seriously and show up. And there are people in the red states who can show up. And, and even with the Republicans that make it hard to vote, they, they can still find the way to vote. So that would be my my gauntlet for you and your brethren. <laughs> well, I'm doing noted, and I will do that. That's uh, that's that's pretty much uh, for us. I'm excited to listen uh, to you uh, have discourse with our guests. Uh, this is truly, and I can't stress this enough to um, our our listenership. This is a very unique individual with a very unique backstory, and we don't often see. Uh, especially in Nashville, especially in Nashville, um, this kind of a scenario. And uh, so kudos to or, him. Or, I mean, or especially in baseball, especially in baseball. Well, I, yeah, like, I was going to say, and then there's baseball on top of that. So it's like, you know, a Major League Baseball player who's out, and, oh, yeah, actually it's a really damn good musician too. So, yeah, this is a unique story, and uh, – you folks are going to do what I'm going to do. We're going to pull up a chair and listen as Rob does his magic, and we welcome uh, this nice young man to Rated LGBT Radio. Uh, so, the, so we stop talking behind his back, and we start um, talking to him. I want to welcome Brian Ruby to the show. Hey, Brian. Hey, hey. How's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just at my apartment in Nashville hanging out, getting ready for a show tonight, and uh, it's a it's an honor to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. Um, uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned of the huge list of everything that you are doing and have accomplished, 
Um, you are also the founder of an organization called Proud to Be in Baseball, um, which supports and encourages LGBTQ plus youth in baseball, which, you know, huge, huge landmark stuff right there. Um, I want to take you back, though, to um, when you were 14 years old and um, feeling kind of different from everybody. What what was that like for you? That It was scary. Like, you know, growing up, I've played baseball since I was six or seven years old. I was that kid. My dad was a ball player. He was a pitcher um, and is a current baseball coach. Um, and I was that kid who had that little t-ball bat, you know, throwing a in, in the driveway at home and um, played, you know, for years before I had anything, knew anything about sexuality. I was a ball player, you know, pretty much from the, the moment I could run around and, um, and then kind of realized, you know, at 14, 15, that age, you know, when we started getting into high school and the guys on my team started talking about girls and, um, you know, that pressure kind of came in, oh, you're a jock, where's the girlfriend type thing. I realized this is really not something that, <laughs> that I'm interested in, but, um, you know, definitely. I'm just totally, with totally relating, at, yeah. I, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like, like wait, I, I didn't get that in my toolkit, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like, you know, but I – I played along for a while and definitely felt that pressure. I, it's been a lifelong dream to be a pro baseball player. You know, I, as a kid, I dreamed about being in the major leagues, you know, and I, I'm right now I'm at a, a lower level than that. I'm an independent pro player, but um, like having that dream and, and not being able to, to look around and see somebody playing that was like me was really kind of crushing and, you know, they say, if you can see it, you can be it. And what happens when you're that kid and you have that dream, but you can't see anybody like you and you feel the pressure to to get a, a fake girlfriend and, you know, play along. And, and that's basically, unfortunately, well, on the positive side, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that was a while ago, but you know, that's, that was my right. lived experience as a kid. And, um, Fortunately, now, you know, I felt comfortable speaking up and came out last season. Um, it was actually went really well. I mean, my only goal was in coming out, literally the only goal, just because I knew that they're, <laughs> they're looking around, no other representation playing in baseball right. in the LGBTQ community. My only goal was just keep my job, like, which is seems to be a simple goal, but like, seems easy but it on one hand it was you know shouldn't there shouldn't be a problem with that but it also felt kind of monumental so like right at least for me as somebody who's dedicated my life to this and you know this is my career so yeah like, no and it is it is monumental because it's it's you know there are a lot of ways that that discrimination still happens even if it's not overt even if they don't walk in and go, oh, you're gay. Oh, well, that means you're out. You know, they may not do it that overtly, but there there are ways. Um, one one thing that you know, totally I want to sort of just try to connect with you on what what has been apart from coming out 
but what has been one of your most thrilling experiences as a baseball player? What was an experience you had as a baseball player that you went, this is my passion. I love this. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's probably not what people would expect. Um, that's actually that's a great question. No one's, I've done a bunch of interviews. No one's ever asked that. Um, but the first thing that comes to mind is um, I was playing on a team – playing exhibition games. We were playing against the Chilean national team way down south in South America. And we played in this stadium um, on a random day before spring training. And the whole town showed up, and I hit a double. And it was like, you know, thousands of miles away from home, you know, taking a bus crammed with people to get down there um, from where we flew into and just like – man, I'm living right now. I'm, I, I'm doing it. You know, I might not be at Yankee stadium or Dodger stadium, you know, at, um, in front of tens of thousands of people and millions of people on TV, but like, I'm actually doing it. You know, I'm a, I'm a baseball player and I'm, I start, I picked up a ball like two decades ago. Like I'm just, I honestly feel lucky to still be playing at any level. So that, that's one moment. The other moment that comes to mind, my boyfriend, Max, um, because of, of the environment in baseball and, and me living two separate, completely separate lives, double life, you know, on the field and off the field. He had never, ever been able to see me play. Um, and oh, there's the wags in, in the stadium. There's a wag section. Wives and girlfriends section. It's not called the bow wag section. <laughs> Boyfriends and wives. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for you know friends and family and like he just hadn't been able to come ever. And I played so many baseball games in my life. And finally, start came out. He flew out. I was playing in Oregon. Um, he came to the game. You know, we he even got to come on the field and and. Um, my teammates, you know, we, we were making our, our run towards the playoffs and we made it all the way to the championship game. And I was in the locker room with my teammates and they said, Ruby, we're having a big party. You know, if we win the championship tonight. And I said, okay, like, you know, that sounds good. He's, they said, are you going to be there? I said, well, yeah. And, and my, our teammate, my teammate, um, drew our second baseman looked at me, he said, I just want to let you know, if you're there, your boyfriend better be there. And for me, that was just like, you know, all the stuff in the media, all the stuff like, you know, getting interviewed and stuff like that. But for me, the most meaningful thing was to get actual acceptance, peer-to-peer acceptance in right. baseball. And that, I'm, that's probably what I'm most proud of. Man, that's, that's so cool. Um, I want to switch because you, you've been you've – been, now that you came out, of course, any question that comes up across baseball, the media is going to come running to you for a comment. And um, they, they just did that um, over this yep. uh, issue with um, the uh, – I'm forgetting the team name now – that, that it was supposed to be Pride Day. Tampa. Um, yep. Tampa, yeah. And Tampa Bay. Of course yep. it's Florida. <laughs> of course. There's another oh maybe Texas yeah okay yeah it's uh, Florida again um, they were supposed to have Pride Day 
and a number of the players um, are refusing to wear the um, the, em- the pride emblem on their uh, their uniform. And uh, you you did you know uh, you you got called on by the media to make some comments, um, and you were in the uh, among others the, the New York Post. Um, what are your feelings about that? Yeah, I did. I mean. I kind of got myself into the deep end without even realizing it. You know, for the most part, I've avoided hate mail. When I came out, it was mostly positive. People in baseball um, sent me so many letters of, you know, not just from players, but from parents and and former players and people with LGBTQ family. And just like it was an outpouring of love and, I had basically avoided, I had had a few bad messages sent my way. Um, But um, after I spoke out yesterday, I I guess I wasn't expecting, you know, woke up um, and just like inundated with hate mail and pretty vile stuff. So it was, it it was really eye opening. Like, you know, um, I'm out here living, living, trying to live my best life and, you know, try to stand up for what I believe in. I still, I'm not taking back anything that I said, you know, in USA Today. I'm, I, I'm standing up for that. Um, think that, you know, the situation there, first of all, most of my comments actually got chopped from the original interview. I, was, I think Tampa overall did a good pride night from what it sounds like. You know, right. most of the people there, it, it sounds like a pretty positive thing overall. Of course, there's some detractors which is what was specifically referenced. And, you know, then I wake up and it's like Brian Ruby blasts Tampa. You know, first of all, Tampa did do a good Pride (laughs) night, but it shows what happened kind of shows me that there's a long way to go in order to get full acceptance for LGBTQ people in baseball. Um, I think that, you know, one thing that I pointed out, and people were saying, you know, why should they be forced to wear anything? And I believe in freedom of religion, freedom of, freedom of speech, freedom to, you know, I'm a country singer in Nashville. You know, I, I get that. But um, one thing that I, I pointed out in the original interview was, you know, MLB has Jackie Robinson Day where um, every player, Jackie Robinson's a legendary, you know, Hall of Famer, one of the most important players in the his, history of baseball, first black player to play in the major leagues, and they have Jackie Robinson Day every year, and all the players are required to wear number 42. And I know for a fact there's a compliance officer at every stadium for every single major league baseball game, and if there's anything wrong with your with the uniform you're given by the team, you know, if your hat, I mean, the smallest things, you know, your shirt's slightly untucked, your, if a play, and, you know, anything, really. There's a very strict right. uniform code. And if if a player doesn't follow that, they're fined. And um, I was waiting and waiting for MLB to do something, you know, and uh, not a single fine went out. It was kind of yeah. sad. It it's honestly showed me, like, there's still a double standard here, you know. And I don't want to, like, I actually had a few of my a, a few of my black teammates texted me saying, you know, this is BS. Like, if 
if somebody refused to wear a Jackie Robinson jersey, you know, MLB would come down pretty hard. And, you know, I don't know. I guess that's – it just feels like, you know, us as LGBTQ people um, are are still not really that welcome there in the clubhouse. And, like – right. There's pride, pride nights are great. Don't get me wrong. Like pride nights do a great job of catalyzing the local, local LGBTQ community, sending a positive message. That's great. But in terms of actual representation on the field, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not the best baseball player in the world. Not even close. You know, I'm an independent player. You know, I'm 26. I'm probably not on the path to superstardom in baseball. You know, but I'm still out here doing it every day, and there are a lot of players who are who are at higher levels than me who are gay, and there always has been. And I always say this: I'm not the first gay baseball player, and I definitely won't be the right. last. But I'm the one you're talking right. to right now, and you know, well, there's I actually got it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and Sorry. you're the brave um, one. It was to, to stand out, to stand up, and say I am one. I mean that's that's I mean, your heroism. Yeah, I think I think there are a whole lot of people, and I'll tell you more about the organization we started. Proud to be in baseball. Um, there are a whole lot of people like me in the sport. Obviously, 16 million people play baseball in the U.S. There's, you know, even if a certain tiny percentage of them are in the queer community, that that's tens of thousands of people. And I actually heard from one. I haven't even said this publicly yet. Um, I heard, I got a message from a member of the Tampa Bay Rays, an emotional message um, who tracked down my number and texted me after their pride night. And, you know, it just shows me that there are people like me in the sport that feel afraid to speak up. And yeah, absolutely. You know, make, it, it, that's kind of why that it gives me purpose to do this organization, to do Proud to Be in Baseball so we can connect with other players because there's nowhere else to go. You know, that there's right. not – teams will do Pride Nights, but in terms of the actual stuff that helps the players, you know, it, it's it's kind of uncharted – an uncharted area. Like, there's each the, – the other thing that – made me mad about the situation in Tampa is that the organization commented that they value, they value diverse perspectives and they are taking everybody's opinion into account. They said something like that. That was a, it was a crafted statement from their PR team. Well, I think that they forgot to ask the one group that pride night's actually about. Did they talk to any gay baseball players? Before Pride Night, well, no, because statistically speaking, they have a 40-man roster. There's a 40-man roster for each major league team. Statistically speaking, that's three or four guys right there who are in my community Mm -hmm. who felt afraid to speak up and couldn't speak up. And speaking of which, each major league team has like four four minor league teams. So that's you have over a dozen guys in your organization. And so do, does every organization in Major League Baseball who who are who see this. You know, is this isn't just about a couple guys um, 
you know, trying to express religious freedom, which I get that. I understand, you know, we in America we have a right, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Absolutely. I understand that. You know, I I I said it and I'll say it again. <laughs> but, you know, this is about this is about creating an inclusive environment so that people in the LGBTQ community actually feel comfortable in the sport because I know for a fact, and I hear this every day from guys who send me messages, they don't. Right. And I, I want to share something with you just because I, I, I feel badly for you receiving all the, the hate messages and the hate wave and everything else. But I have to tell you that if you weren't having an effect, you wouldn't be getting that. It is part of, yeah. of, 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 of sticking your neck out on that. I did the same thing about 20 years ago um, when I adopted my two little boys. Um, I was you know, in a relationship as a gay dad, and I wrote columns as a gay dad because marriage equality was coming up, and I needed to be out there talking about what it was like to be a gay dad and, and have a gay family and that we were here and – you know, stand up for that. And I got called pedophiles. I had articles written about me about, you know, how I, you know, was being a bad parent by even mentioning my kids and all this sort of stuff. And you just got to let it wash off because if you aren't making a splash, you're not going to get any of that on you. And you are. And what you're doing is super, super, super important. Um, So, you know, hang in there. Thank you. You know, it's like you're, yeah, you are you are taking the bullets. You you are on the front lines, um, but you are you are going to make a difference. And you you being that voice in those articles when they came to it, I was joking around that you know you you kind of you know you're attracting it because you have stood up, but but the flip side is you're the only voice. So they are going to come to you. Yeah. And, and for this time period, you know that that is a, a rough mantle. Um, I want to switch though to. The other side of the yeah. barriers that you're breaking and everything else. I mean, it's like, um, um, first of all, I absolutely love your voice. I love the new song. Every time I hear it, I totally want to, to pull on my cowboy boots and dance. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank, you. Um, Thank you. And we have it here. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and play your song, and then we can talk about it. Does that sound okay? All right, sounds good. Here we go. Here is Left Field by Brian Ruby. Come on!
you know, just just super cool. Um, Thank so, you. So uh, tell me about tell me about writing left field. Where where did that inspiration come from? You know, what what how did that come together? Yeah. So it's funny. Everybody says, oh, it's a base. Oh, this is the baseball player with the baseball song. Actually, like it's not at all about baseball. You know, it's it's a right. baseball title, but it's about life. And um, it kind of came from just all the stuff that has happened to me in the last year. You know, I couldn't, could not, totally not have expected, um, like, um, (laughs) just the, the overwhelming, you know, sense of, of, of support that I, I, I felt when I came out and, um, even like, you know, some of the lines, the first real kiss and the first real kiss in the dashboard light. Like, you know, that's, that was something that happened to me. And like, it's just, it's a, it's a true country song, country rock song. And, you know, it's built so that we, we do this every day in Nashville. You know, we, we build songs for different artists. And I was trying to think about who do I want to be as an artist? Um, and what do I want to say? And, I came up with, well, let me just say the thing that I could never hear as a kid from um, straight down the middle country. Like, you know, there's going back to what I said in baseball, if you can see, you Mm -hmm. can see it. And obviously there's been, there's actually representation in Nashville is probably better than ever in the LGBTQ community. And there's been trailblazers who have been blazing the trail for a long time. But, um, you know, I was just kind of thinking about, I've written a couple hundred songs by now. Like, what what the heck do I want to say, you know? And um, mm-hmm. I I think, you know, I just kind of wrote this song as, like, the song that I wish I could have heard as a kid. And um, that's left field. Yeah. One thing <laughs> you've talked about before is having, when you've written songs, that you actually write two versions, you know, one, one really for you yeah. and one for essentially straight people. Um, uh, talk to me about yeah. that. Yeah, it's, that's, that's true. Yeah. I, you know, before I was out, before my first year or so in Nashville, um, writing songs for other artists, you know, I, you have to kind of think about, I would write one song in my head, you know, I can't really like make stuff up. I have to write about true experiences for me. So, and obviously the true experiences for me aren't going to be falling in love with a girl. It's going to be falling in love with a guy. Um, and, you know, I would basically write the song in my head and then, and then like remove the pronouns and add in girl or baby or, you know, try to basically massage it so that a straight guy could sing it. Um, and I think that while that's, it's kind of tedious to constantly do that, it's actually probably maybe a better songwriter because you have to think about things from multiple perspectives. Right. And, um, right. That's, that's true though. And what I, obviously in my music now, I'm not, you know, there's no, I love you girl. There's definitely none of that in the songs <laughs> that I'm going to release myself. You know, it, country music is is thought of as this genre that is all about you know hooking up with your with your hot girlfriend in the back of the pickup truck. You know, with your beer can in your hand, and and you know that's 
that's the rap on what a lot of people think about country music. And um, honestly, country music is and has all always has been started as a, a, a genre about real life, you know, about like things that happen to you in real life. Um, sto- it's all about storytelling. And right, as a right. writer and a young artist here in Nashville, you know, in my spare time when I'm away from baseball, I really struggled with how do you do this genre, this genre of music that's supposedly all about, you know, three chords in the truth. Um, I just wrote a, was asked to write a, a letter for a great Instagram page called country music allies. Um, that's kind of trying to make country music for everyone. And um, I kind of said that, you know, the genre is about three chords and the truth. And like, how could I, how could I be the best uh, writer that I could possibly be here in Nashville if I was living a lie every day? How could I do that? Like, you know, and so I think, you know, I'm I have no idea what to expect with this song, honestly. Like, this is my first release. It went up on Spotify, like, less than like 24 hours ago, you know, like, I don't know who's going to hear it. If it's going to be myself, you and my mom, (laughs) or uh, or (laughs) a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people. I have no idea, you know, and it's, it's a, but it's, I'm just proud that like I could, I didn't have to, you know, if if we were having this conversation three years ago, I might've been still been ashamed of who I was and, trying right. to get through a song about a girl, you know, that wasn't authentic. And, like, I'm just proud, regardless of how it does, just, like, proud that, you know, I am actually can sing about something that's true for me. And it, it's going to be a process. I have no idea where the, like I said, where the music stuff is going to go. Um, but I'm going to go for it. And we came out swinging with this song. Yeah. Well, it's 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 so it's such a cool song because it it is universal. I mean, you know, I hear it and like you, you know, I, I get the themes. I get the 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 LGBTQ, you know, be be my authentic self. You know, be, be, feel free to dream, get out of the box. You know, it's like all that inspiration is part of it. I mean, it's an anthem to that, but it is done in yeah. a way that is universal because. I've I've done articles and and talked to a lot of transgender artists and everything else and I get inspired by my transgender friends not because I'm trans myself but because mm-hmm. there are parts of me that are transing there are parts of me that are not in a box of of some identity that I you know I'm bigger than that and they inspire me to live that you know, because they've bravely right. done it, you know, in, in that way. And I see, you know, a lot of the things in the themes in left field are that, you know, it's like, you know, don't be rigid, you know, stay open. It's going, you know, the, the, the best thing is going to come, you know, from left field out of the blue, you know, it's like, so yeah. I, I have very high hopes for it. Like I said, when I put it on, I can't, stop wanting to move. I mean, it, it's, it's so fun and upbeat and just, you know, it's, it's like just an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, so I, I'm hoping Thank you. the best for it. 
Yeah, no, it's a seriously, it's, 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 it's really cool. Um, now you've competed you. with um, in in your talent as as a songwriter on um, Nashville's Rising Song. Um, uh-huh. Brody and I are both addicted to different singing competitions, everything else. How nerve wracking was that? Um, that was right after I moved to Nashville. Um, it was like a small, you know, just like a local. Um, sort of talent competition. Um, it was, it was nerve wracking. I've always, I guess I'm, I still get nerves sometimes going on stage. Um, just, you know, moved here truly because of my love of country music and to like originally to be a writer for other people. So like when I take the stage myself, there's always a little bit of, um, trepidation, like, um, I think that's the right word. <laughs> like a little bit of hesitancy. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I gotta, I gotta, and maybe it, it, and it comes like, I, I think it comes, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it comes from, you know, not, not really wanting for so long, not really anybody wanting, see, wanting anybody to see like the real me, like because I was actively hiding in order to just get by, you know? So it's like when I do get that, then when the spotlight points in, in my direction, you know, whether it's like on stage or, or there's always a little bit of, of cringe, cringy, like reaction on my part. Cause I'm just like, I need to, I need to step into it and I gotta go for it. But like, um, you know, that's, it was, it was cool doing that, that show. Um, and I actually met, um, I met a vocal coach, um, through that and like, I've continued working with them and, uh, his name's James Lugo. He's an absolute rock star, you know, vo- vocal coach. And like, um, you know, he, he's just like probably the most talented singer that I've ever met. And I know a whole lot of country singers and he's just like a vocal coach, but he, um, yeah. he is like, I worked with him and I, tr- I tried to train my voice like an athlete for the song, like, you know, to, I've always kind of been able to hit like lower notes um, in country, but like I needed to push my range a little bit to push out of my comfort zone, and and right. he, he helped me right. bust through bust through that that glass ceiling. And you know, I have I'm about to go try to hit the highest note I can possibly hit uh, in uh, at my show tonight in Nashville, our release show. So if you're listening well, this like- from Nashville. You, you might you might hear me stumble a little tonight. I don't know. It could could go. No, great. you could won't. Go, I, only, only one way to find out. I don't believe I don't believe that. <laughs> and and but your your lower register is gorgeous. I mean, I love that that underlying lower register and and everything I've heard. You you hit all the right high notes. So I you know and I don't know which note you're going to go for tonight, but whatever. But do you feel like um, in a way you're being gay and, and your adventure there um, was actually a way for you to come out as a singer, um, being a ball player. Cause I would imagine that there's a little bit of almost stigma to, I've never heard of a baseball player becoming a singer. Um, I mean, that in itself yeah. is kind of breaking out of a mold. Yeah, I, I guess there is. That's also another question that no one's asked me. This is great. Um, uh, I guess there is, you know, there's that macho type of of mold that we are sort of expected to have as as male 
team sport athletes, um, whether it's baseball or football or hockey, but you know, whatever. Um, I guess, I guess there's that. So, so, you know, I don't know. Music has always been for me, like if I have a tough game, if I don't play well, you know, and I'm, I'm just able to kind of just get in, you know, zen out a little bit and turn on, put on, put my headphones in, um, listen to music and chill out. And that has always been there. And it always has been like a second passion of mine and is, um, sort of almost taking over. I think it probably will in the next few years, like take over to be my primary thing at some point, because like, um, I guess, <laughs> I guess you don't think of, of baseball players as, as singers, but, um, I, <laughs> some of us sing, some of my teammates sing, uh, they, they just, they, they, they sing in a car or whatever, but, uh, I guess I'm <laughs> doing it, you know, on a bigger, bigger stage. Well, you, yeah, yeah. You, and you and you you should and you must. I mean, because in all seriousness, you are super talented, and um, yeah, it would it would be a shame. I I am absolutely, and I'll be the first to tell you this: I am no judge of baseball talent. So you could fool me um, <laughs> either way on that one. But I do know singers, and um, uh, this is awesome. And I, I think you're you're going to be super strong. I do want to ask you in the last few minutes though about proud to be in baseball. You're the organization that you founded. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. And for the kids and youth in the sport, um, what is your message directly to them? They're listening to this podcast. What do you want to tell them? Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you teed up that question because um, after I came out, you know, I didn't come out just to get attention in the media. You know, that sort of happened in I came out to keep my job, and I and it, I turned into this big media thing. And I kind of thought, well, wait a second, like, what? I could come out and and live my life, and that's great. But what can we actually do to help younger people like me, who younger ball players like me, so they don't have to get to the point that I'm at and feel like they're the only one, you know, in the entire world, which is totally, totally not true. It's, you know, in this day and age when anyone can pull out their phone and pretty much Google anything, no kid, whether they're in Nashville or they're in Laramie, Wyoming, or they're in Venezuela or whatever, no kid should have to feel like they're the, that they're alone, that they're the only one like them who plays their sport in the world. So we founded, I got together with these two other ball players who I met who are, they're both former baseball players. Um, Michael Holland, who was a Division II baseball player at Felician University in New Jersey, and Sam Colwell, who was a, a probably the bravest of us all, honestly. He came out um, in high school, and he was called some pretty bad stuff on the field and um, didn't have a, a great experience in, in baseball. And we kind of banded together. It started as a website. Um, it was proud to be in baseball.org, you know, now since we've, we've just, we have an Instagram page and we, we just launched our TikTok, So we're going to put some effort into that this summer, but, um, it's a support group and a support network. And, uh, we're, we're 501 C3 nonprofit. Uh, that was a lot of paperwork, <laughs> but we did it. Uh-huh. Um, we built, we filled it out and we're trying to raise money 
for and put together some programs that can help people like us. Since we put together, we've been contacted by lots and lots of baseball players from around the world at all levels, you know, and we want to, we want to, we've banded together and um, for example, like I dedicated, we're all trying to think of creative ways to raise money. I dedicated a hundred percent of the proceeds from, from left field, you know, my new song to proud to be in baseball. And we're, we're trying to get out there. We just did a fundraiser with the Matthew Shepard foundation in San Diego. Um, and that went well. And we're trying to put together some programs so we can go to the baseball uh, coaches association convention and work with their network of 5,000 uh, baseball coaches from around the world and try to actually put in some, some things that can improve the environment for young kids like like us. So that's proud to be in baseball, and um, we're doing good stuff. You'll probably see us. You might see us around around different ballparks around the country coming up. Um, we're kind of piggybacking off of Pride Nights and different events, and um, trying to raise awareness and get out there. And it's been it's been positive so far, and it's the thing. Just like Left Field was the song that I didn't have as a kid that I wish I could have heard, you know, proud to be in baseball is the thing I wish I had as a kid, but I didn't have. But you know what? We're making it now, and and it's only going to grow, and it's a, it's a really good thing. That's, that is so awesome. And, Brian, we are, we're out of time. Um, I, I wish you the best. I assume um, that Left Field is available on all the major um, downloadable sites and, and uh, where music is available. Um, is that correct? Yeah, it's available everywhere yes. you can everywhere you can hear music. Thank you so much for having okay. me on. It was a pleasure. Come back anytime. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, please do. Yeah, can't wait. And and, and can't wait to see what's next. And um, yeah, and anytime you debut debut anything, let us know and uh, We'll have you on, even if you're not debuting things. Anyway, uh, All right. um, I want to I want to thank I want to thank Brian for being who he is uh, in all levels of the the barriers he's busting through for us all. Um, you're a hero, deeply deeply appreciated. Plus, love having you on the show. I want to thank Brody for his work on the LA Blade magazine. Check that out, LosAngelesBlade.com. I want to thank all of our listeners. We love you and um, come back again next week. Have people subscribe. Um, we are here for you. And next week we will be back with a really incredible, fantastic show. And I have no idea what it will be. I just know that we will leave, live up to all of those actions for those of us that rated LGBT radio. That's it for this week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 